Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Pitcher List. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Spohr and Nick Pollock. Hello, and welcome to episode 1035 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, April 5th, but this will come out on Wednesday, April 6th. Mm. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and this is a Fireside Chat. And joining me by the fire, of course, is Nick Pollock. Nick, good day, sir. What is happening? Yes, we are just about to hit opening day. It's going to be an amazing time. And it's not just like two games either. It's no, uh, what, it's 13 full, of them? Yeah, yeah it, it's full insane. opening day. I, I can't wait, man. Like, I'm so excited. Obviously, the the, the tumult that we went through as baseball oh, fans man. and people, you know, the both of us with our livelihood tied to baseball uh, wasn't fun. And no. so to, to get here now and have just a slight delay in the season with everything popping off on the seventh, I can't wait. It's going to be wonderful. We got games pretty much all day that day with the first one starting at 1205 central ranging until an 840 central start time. So park yourself in front of your computer, your TV, both, but however you do it and enjoy going to be a lot's going on. I'm sure you guys got great stuff going on at picture list. Fan will have the day, the, the all day chat. Uh, for for the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, we're doing a watch party. Oh, nice. Uh, again, I, I'm sure you're not available for that, but we'll have to get you in on a watch party on a non-opening yeah. day situation. Yeah. you got a lot going on over yeah, at we're doing. List. We're certainly Twitch streaming from, I think, noon to about 7 or something Excellent. like that. And I'm insane and just sitting here watching games with y'all. That will be oh, fantastic. Yeah, oh, we'll be talking. We'll be talking. Oh, we'll be talking. We'll be talking because <laughs> yeah, I'll have I'll have time before our watch party and then after, and I'll be in the mm. Twitch chat. So we'll be there. Um, we're going to talk about some pictures we love. We did a little bit of our ranking yes! splits last week, and we didn't get to hit on some of the guys that we both really love because we didn't have splits on them, so they didn't really come up. And I was like, we got to do another fireside pretty quickly. And I said we were going to do five we love. We expanded it because we made categories because you know we just couldn't do. Just five random pitchers. No. We had to bucket them. So exactly. we got a little roster here of what pitchers we love. We got an ace, and we're going off the Fantasy Pros ADP. That's a little bit more widespread. I know we do a lot of uh, NFBC stuff, but I got to say, in this particular one, Fantasy Pros wins because they separate starting pitchers and relief pitchers. Oh, it's so good. That's what made life a lot easier I mean, as Corey well. Corey Canable still got in there somehow. Oh, he's he fine. Oh, they yeah. What, us, what a guy. They, they missed that one. Just in case. Just in case he gets back. Maybe does a few opens. Yeah, we, have an, sure. we have an ace that we love, a uh, top 20 starter, and then a breakout in the 21 to 50 range, uh, another breakout in the 51 to 75 range, then a sleeper in the 76 to a 100 range, then a lottery ticket outside the top 100, a deep sleeper who's just way off the charts right now, and then a prospect, somebody who's still in the minors and should debut at some point this year. So, Let's get into it. Let's start with our ace and let's talk about your ace first. Go ahead and give it to us. I mean, it's Lucas Giolito, which might surprise some people considering that I've called Lucas Giolito the premium Jose Barrios. Um, where, As somebody who where, wears Barrios, I like that. But obviously coming from the best you, version. That, yeah, that, uh, <laughs> coming from you, that might seem like a disc because you, you're not you're not like you don't hate Barrios, but you know, no. you've been yeah. kind of like. He's he's fine, but he's not I just haven't special. gone after Barrios because to me he'll never be that uh, that number one. He'll never be an SP number one. He'll be an SP two three for you, which is great. But generally, if I'm drafting around Barrios, I'm hoping that I'll hit on someone that is more than just that SP two or three, which is why I've always gone away from Barrios. And Giolito has settled to be like a very comfortable SP number two. 
The reason why I'm saying go and get him right now is one, I mean, I think the win potential is super high uh, in Chicago. 11 wins last year, to me, honestly, is low for Giolito, given that he threw about 180 innings. Um, and the fact that there are whispers, and we haven't gotten any velocity readings, so much so, I even DM'd Benetti, and I was like, hey, do you have velocity readings of this game? Over there. And he, he's got nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the rumor was that it was like 95 to 97 even for Giolito, and he was sitting 94 last year. So I don't I don't know that yet. I don't know if it's confirmed. I watched his game where he allowed, I think, four and runs and three walks. It was all in one inning. And I'll be honest with you, he should have gotten two called strike threes in that inning without any runs. He was totally fine. I am not worried whatsoever. I love the slider improvements from last year. I love the curveball usage that's been going up. And that's a pitch that he barely threw last year. And I remember seeing him throw like four in one inning and going, wait a second, Giolito, you're not supposed to have a good curveball. So I think there's a lot even more for him to do now to get, go away from being that 2-3 and can actually become a proper ace this year. So I've circled Giolito if I miss out on my favorite early guys. Yeah, Giolito is a great pick here. I definitely think he's really established himself as a fantasy ace. And I love how much of it he did kind of on his own. You know, when, when Don Cooper was still there, learning a bit more from kind of behind the scenes, like his reputation is is a little bit higher than maybe the practice was in terms of getting guys better and actually helping them with the tools to better themselves so Giolito went out of the organization he did it on his own and, and really got himself to this level that uh his his draft stock and rookie pedigree uh suggested could be there you know and he had tj that's why he fell down to i believe the 16th pick would have had been would have been in contention for the one one had he mm. not gotten hurt, and then obviously gets traded from Washington to the White Sox. Now with Ethan Katz, much more uh, working within the organization to do things. Not that he's not still doing his own work, but much more of a a partnership there with pitching coach Ethan Katz. Giolito's a good pick. He's just been perfectly steady and solid these last two full seasons. I do think there could be another level there and age 27 in this, in this mid to late twenties range is when a lot of the aces of today uh, start to hit that next level, right? It's fun when they do it at age 23, 24, but a lot of times they kind of have those ups and downs, ups and downs, and then really hit that ace level and plateau in the 26 to 30 range. So I could definitely see Giulio hitting another level. Uh, I'm going for somebody hopefully that can do it a little bit sooner because he'll be just 24 this year. It is a Miami Marlin, but maybe not the one that would have been expected in a show like this with the two of us talking. It's not Sandy Alcantara. If you've listened to either of us at all this year, you know how we both love him. Uh, But I'm going with Trevor Rogers. I'm very excited Mm. about Trevor Rogers coming off of last year's excellent season. Do not be concerned about seven second half starts as some sort of negative against him. There was a family emergency that he was handling that cost him all of uh, August. Basically he came back in September and was back to being himself and, and looking like the Trevor Rogers that we were really excited about. I just think there's so much to like here. I've become really fascinated with Miami and how they handle their pitchers kind of always giving their guys a little bit of an extra boost as well. So I see Rodgers and what he was able to do last year with the huge swing and miss, 29% strikeout, 14% swinging strike rate, uh, kept the ball in the yard very nicely, although that might regress a little bit. 5% homer to fly ball is, is pretty outsized there. However, 
I think the walk rate could improve too and kind of offset things a little bit. 8% is fine. He can live there. But I wouldn't be surprised if as he develops and figures out command and control even more of, of his arsenal that Trevor Rodgers could be more like a 6% walk guy. I do believe that there's some growth there. It might not come until the following year, but I figure I'm going to plant my flag this year. I'm going for Trevor Rodgers like a lot of folks are. Oh, I, I dig it. I yeah, Four-seamer um, ranked eighth in CSW percentage among all starting pitchers, which is pretty dang cool. Uh, the uh, the biggest whisper. I mean, uh, there's always there's always what it is in spring. It's always the spring air just floats rumors around everywhere, and uh, it, it was about Trevor Rogers' slider. I think we saw massive horizontal break early on, and we saw velocity drop. The break is gone, but the velocity drop is here, and does so it does feel like it is a different slider, and hopefully it is because it was a 55 percent strike rate last year, which is not good enough. You want to see like a 62 percent at least on a slider, especially one that you're looking to get strikes from while the changeup becomes a swing and miss pitch as a changeup was uh, 13th best among all uh, starters, changeups and swing strike rate. Very good. 21% last year. Um, it's very no 29% Patrick Sandoval, but you know, it's still very good. Uh, I will say quickly, um, <laughs> he's actually 28th. I, when I first started this list, we were going, I was going off my rankings and then you and I discussed it and I was like, let's do mm-hmm. ADP. Uh, I, I messed my guys up. I, Trevor Rogers was supposed to be next. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to roll with it. You're fine. It's, hey, we're going to talk about that. Reverse it. Okay. So, and Max Fried is actually my top 20 guy, but uh, finish your thoughts we'll, on we'll Rogers. talk about him soon. Yeah, um, Max you like Trevor Rogers, and that's what's important. And I, I, I dig him too. I think I actually have Trevor Rogers at 21 on my list right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 17, so. There you go. Pretty, pretty, uh, good fastball that attacks well, change up that gets lost when you miss. It's just a question about that third pitch, that slider, getting enough strikes to prevent the high walks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, keeping him more in more counts. Um, I think he can do that. You know, we don't really see guys become finished products the first year, and there's certainly things to develop over time. Hopefully, Rodgers does get there. I like the pick. Thanks. So my actual top 20 guy, yes. so then we'll get to your 21 <laughs> through 50. I totally messed up. I'm so I was like, whoa, uh, what's the Marlins? I had no yeah, idea. Jumped, jumped right there. Uh, no, Max Freed staying in that same division in the NL East. Max Freed's a guy I really do like, and I know he's a little bit divisive. Not everybody's in on him to the degree that I am, but uh, where I really started to develop to develop my love was in the baseball forecaster. I was actually mm. able to write up his, his passage this year, and so I, I – <laughs> You know, one of my favorite things is turning. It's a weird flex now. page. Oh, that's, that's a fun moment. Yeah, I turned I turned one page away. So here it is. Max Freed. I said I, he hit the Goldilocks just right level this past season after bad fortune of 2019 swung to good fortune in 2020. And then 2021 was kind of neutral uh, hamstring and finger injuries prevented a new innings high, but a career high in batter's face per game is promising career bests in velocity and walk rate, along with a full year of 2020s dominance versus righties suggest that there could be another level here upside of 200 strikeouts and Cy Young consideration. Mm. I really, I talk about this maturation process that I just mentioned with G Alito and how they kind of have the ebbs and flows and they find out, figure out different pieces before they really hit that uh, next level in their mid to late 20s. That fits Freed to a T. He's going to be 28 this year. We've certainly seen the ups and downs. The BABIP was something that was like kind of an issue early on was like, wow, you really do allow a lot of contact there. And I don't think it's just the defense or just bad luck. Uh, We need to figure out something there. I thought we, we saw Freed tighten up his command and control of, of the pitches kind of across the board 
uh, in 20 and 21 combined, BABIP down to a much more reasonable 268 and 278 respectively in those two seasons. 21's being a lot more important because it's a full season. I think he's got the swing and miss enough that he needs to be really good. Like I'm fine with him at like a 25-26% strikeout rate, which would still be a career high, but it doesn't require a massive jump forward. You look at an 11% swinging strike rate. Another thing I've noticed, and I, I need to... First of all, I need a better brain. My brain is terrible. <laughs> I need a smarter to help me figure out. I, I have a theory that okay. I've been noticing over the years about swinging strike rates for curveball guys, where they mm. come up a little shorter yep. relative to their uh, to the counterparts across the league that have these huge strikeout rates, but they still maintain higher strikeout rates with it. And I'm wondering if it's because when they throw their curves, they're doing it in more strikeout counts, so they're not getting the swinging strikes earlier in counts, but a, a lot of their swinging strikes are confined to the two-strike pitches, and thus they can still maintain a high strikeout rate because 11% is just fine. It's not an amazing sure. swing strike rate. I remember this with Fulte the year that he broke out, even the Fromber Bal Valdez year of 2020, which is not a full season, and maybe he was just running some high variance. Uh, but I, I have a handful of examples on a, a word doc that I've been meaning to kind of look into it a little bit more, and I wonder if that's something that Freed would have, where maybe he doesn't add a bunch of swinging strikes, but I still think he could push the strikeout rate beyond the 24% last year, another two to three points. Well, this is the thing that we do decently well, um, on our player pages we have league averages so you can actually understand on an individual pitch uh what they do and um for curveballs and sliders get this uh curveballs have a swing rate on uh, an average at 39 percent while sliders are 49 percent okay so um so you already see the passivity uh passis passis <laughs> They're trying to be passive and it's ivity as well at the end. I can't say the word. Um, and, but you had it the second time. <laughs> but you have the called strike rate of sliders at 14% and 19% of curveballs. So you're seeing the same CSW, both around 30, 31%. Actually, it's on average, it's higher for curveballs than it is sliders. Um, but you see fewer swing strikes and higher called strikes, right? On curveballs. So yeah, you're right. Okay. It's, it's lower on the called strike spectrum. But higher in the in the um, in the swing strike spectrum rather, and higher in the called strike spectrum for curveballs. So that that might explain why the the difference. And at the same time, I think there needs to be more done um, from Freed secondaries to get those strikeouts um, because it's not quite there at a twenty four percent rate last year. I think that's why you see Freed going a little bit lower. If we saw him with like a twenty eight percent K rate, there's the bait for him to being I don't oh, know eight. Nine, that, you know, yeah, like, that would be huge. Top that would be huge. I'll tell and, you, what, my, my biggest call for him though is that I see 200 innings this year. That's that's the mm -hmm. biggest thing that I see is the volume is really going to tick up, and that can offset some of the strikeout rate. Uh, 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 oh yes, of course. But just the sheer amount of pitching, exactly. of course, and you get an inning that's 200. And that's a huge deal. And what's really funny is, um, anybody listening, try and guess right now. What year did Freed have more innings in 2019 or 2021? And the answer is that they were exactly the same at 962.2. Sorry, 65.2, which is insane. I've never, yeah, I haven't nuts. seen that. Especially with the, with the thirds of an inning too, right? It's like, right. I don't know why, but for some reason, like a whole number being the same in two years in, no, is but the less weird to me than when it's the, uh, the thirds uh, of an inning. That's is, absolutely is nuts. Uh, five games fewer to get there though, which is yes. pretty cool. That's what I'm and, saying. 
And I will say that slider, um, sorry, that Freed's slider has changed this spring as well. It's coming in harder. You also saw actually an uptick in velocity, but the command has been a little bit bad so far in the spring. So I like that he's actually seemingly improved across his stuff. And I do wonder if the harder slider will speak to a higher swing strike rate on the pitch this year. It was at 16% last season. Not exactly where you want it to be. You want it to be closer to about 19, 20% if you want to see those big upticks in uh, in strikeout rate. So it could get there for Freed. Command is great. We saw that in the playoffs. Um, I, I, I'm a fan. I had myself pulling him down just because of the lack of strikeouts and the other guys ahead all had this higher ceiling, I think, to attain, at least in the tangible future. But maybe Freed does unlock that potential this year, and I would be so happy to see it. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited about Freed. So that's my ace. Uh, you know that uh, Trevor Rogers is my my first breakout in the 21 to 50 range. So let's get to yours, a guy that I want to be sold on because I love him. Just have a few concerns, but talk yeah. about Alec Manoa from Toronto. I know I am, I am so enamored. Um, it's and not to be. Are you sure it was? I'm pretty sure this was Dylan Cease, though. Um, are, are you sure you didn't go and edit that for me? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, Actually, man. Okay, <laughs> we'll peel the curtain back. You put Dylan Cease for every single camera. Yeah, everyone, hey, every man. single one. That yeah. doesn't really work that way. You said, I just want to talk about him for an hour. And I said, that's fair. I do know how much you love him. And so you can it, talk about him once. It, okay, so this uh, it is funny to me because I think Alec Manoa and Dylan Cease are oddly similar. Uh, they both have an elite slider that is, by the numbers, incredibly uh, identical. I mean, hard contact wise, they both suppress hard contact at elite levels, like 11 and 12% for these pitches. Mm -hmm. They both have sub 40% O swing and zoned rates, which are very strange. And they're both slightly below it. Uh, and they're both aren't getting quite as many strikes as they want them to. Uh, Alec Manoa's get a little bit more than Dylan Cease. The reason I say this is because then you look at everything else that they're producing and Alec Manoa has an elite four seamer and Dylan Cease doesn't. And okay. then it's what's, what is Cease adding more than Alec Manoa isn't to me. Um, and that's why I'm a fan of Manoa. I think that you're going to see uh, him go every five days through the year for the Jays. I'd be really shocked if they decided, you know what? No, no, we're going to slow down Alec Manoa to no, 100. I agree with that too. They're going to let him go. And that I do think I love about him. The, the pitch efficiency needs to get better. I need to mm -hmm. see more sliders for strikes. It's been encouraging in the spring so, thus far. Changeup has actually showed up. We've seen games of 20% changeup usage and they've been good. And that's really encouraging. But as long as Manoa can live inside the zone with that 17% swing strike rate four seamer and a very good sinker that also is above average at limiting hard contact, I believe it's about 20 to 23%. The average on sinkers is 30%. So that means 30% of the time at the average pitcher throws a sinker that ends in a bat, it's 95 miles per hour exit velocity or higher. And Manoa does it at 22, 23, much better. So I, I kind of lean on Manoa here in Toronto in a winning ball club with impressive strikeout performance. I mean, really, that slider is that filthy and with that high uh, whiff fastball as well. Potential for improvement with that changeup. Um, and the humidor should help too, even though he's not actually a home run prone guy uh, in the first place. So I just kind of dig his whole shtick. I don't expect it to be exactly the same. I imagine him to allow more hits this year than he did last year a mm -hmm. little bit but nothing outside of like a 120 whip or something. I, I still think that Manoa is going to be a, 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 just a rock for you the entire year. Yeah, I don't really see a path where Manoa is bad. My questions, you mentioned not really a major uh, 
a major home run issue. And mm-hmm. I don't think that he's necessarily a major home run issue, but I do think that we started to see things a little bit. And I wonder if there might be a little bit of a higher home run rate like that 1.0. Uh, the projections jump him up like to 1.3 uh, almost across huh. the board. And I, I don't, that I don't get, I'm actually not subscribing necessarily to that, but I do mm-hmm. wonder if the platoon issue um, could create a little bit of trouble there because Manoa is a two pitch guy did had a bit of a platoon split. That division is difficult. I do like that Toronto itself as a home park is no longer as painful. Uh, and there's going to be humidors everywhere, which will have kind of a, a neutralizing effect, but a lot of great lineups in that, in that park or in that division, excuse me. And the platoon split's the one that I can't get over yet. And I wonder sure. if where he started uh, last year, you know, up here, if he might dip down here and then take off. That's my concern with buying in on Manoa off of the 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 big first year. And it's maybe I'm just scarred by the by the Luis Castillo thing. And I know not everyone's <laughs> Luis Castillo, but like I've definitely made that mistake before of buying in on the young 20 something hot, hot shot off of their debut season, which was a decent sample, but not over the top at 112 innings. Uh, So that's why I think, I think there might be a little bit of pullback this year and then the jet takes off next year. That's why I've been a little bit nervous about Manoa, but I see more of like his Sierra for the year, like a 388 Sierra is what he had last year. I see that as like his ERA, not a fall down. So I still like the floor, Mm. And I want to blindly believe in him, but I do think the ERA is going to push up a little bit because of that platoon split specifically. Yeah, I do wonder. I I, I think, I don't know. I mean, we're talking about a lot of these guys, especially as they, they age, getting a bit better as they go. Um, I, I wonder if uh, Manoa does improve a little, a touch with the command, maybe with a changeup. It was a 10% usage last year. We've seen good indications of him throwing more of those in the spring thus far to having success. I mean, that's initially what got me into Manoa was the debut with his this curveball that was sorry this changeup that was doing things and then kind of just disappeared as the slider and four seamer just dominated after and he didn't need it. I I don't know. It's it's like I can see the world where the walk rates get to him and uh, the fastball isn't as commanded well enough. I'm willing to buy into the performance of the pitches that his stuff is just that good and what we've seen especially in Toronto too when they're having trouble. Look at Robbie Ray. They said, hey, just throw it in the middle. It's okay. Your stuff is amazing. Manoa can get away with that. His stuff is that good. Do you think Manoa will, will be sort of like that too? Where, the, the, yeah, like you're saying, they just say, hey, do not I think he, futz yeah. around and like uh, nitpick. Go at guys. Right. You have the stuff to do that. So I, I do agree with that there. Um, okay. So Manoa uh, was your 21 to 50 guy. Now we move in to a little bit of a deeper, uh, deeper breakout here, 51 to 75. You've got a pair and I want to start with your parents. I, <laughs> I like them. Um, and I could have easily put these guys here. I went with a, a staple guy that I've, I've been banging the drum on for a few years now. Uh, but you went with Alex Wood and Alex Cobb. I like the San Francisco Alexes. I got them spread out through my, uh, through my many teams this year. I trust San Francisco a lot. I like both these pitchers. We know the health concerns, but the talent is absolutely there. So talk to us about what San Francisco can do with their double Alex's. Clearly beer is on my mind because these three guys are all ales. Um, and Alec yeah. uh, <laughs> Manoa and Alex Wood and Alex Cobb. Can we, can we call him like Christian Alec too? Uh, <laughs> Christian Yalek, the best, you know, pronunciation. Oh, it's amazing. Ever, um, so, uh, so the, 
really, it's about velocity with these guys. Um, Alex Wood is throwing harder, apparently, than he was last year with 91.8. And I was actually matching his all-star appearance season with the Dodgers, which is fantastic. We were really happy that Wood was up there. The slider improved a ton. Um, and it's apparently coming in harder. We haven't had any direct readings out of San Francisco. It's so annoying. Uh, but the whispers in the year on stuff. It's, un, it's unreal. Um, but uh, Alex Cobb as well. I mean, we're talking 94, 96, 97 um, for Cobb, who topped out at 95 and change in the past, 92.7 on average for his fastball last year. And Cobb and Wood. stuff with him. That's wild. It's Sorry insane. to interrupt, but that's, that's like, okay. That's insane. So, so here's the, the real basis of this for me. And um, it's something that is completely different for me and you, because you're focusing a lot more on 15 teamers and in 12. It's uh, one reason I want to do this with you too, is because of the depth that we're going to talk about with starting pitching. There are so many just good arms um, in the seventies and eighties, even especially out of the gate with the good matchups and everything that it to me shifts what your strategy should be. And when it becomes like the late 40s, early 50s, instead of getting your safer players, I am just shooting for the moon um, with the guys that excite me the most with the highest ceilings and the most high tangible ceilings, I should say, because I can then rely later on in my picks getting stable guys that are just as fine. Uh, and it's kind of reversing how we would normally do it. We would get the stable ones and then the last round flyers would be these others. And we'll talk about a couple of those other flyers later, but I feel more comfortable Chasing Alex Wood and Alex Cobb, who are flyers in a way, because Wood, his big issue, how many innings is he going to have? 139 last year, but I don't really care because he's healthy right now and he's pitching harder. And uh, 54% ground ball rate last year, 55% plus for Alex Cobb. They both have that giant brick wall in right and the wonderful vacuum that is Brandon Crawford in uh, shallow left um, at shortstop. It's uh it's a good situation for both of them. And if both of these guys, I mean more so Alex Cobb, if Alex Cobb has those early curveballs for strikes, um, that sets up the thing in that splitter, um, and of course the sinker coming in harder, it, these guys are just gonna give you quality innings from the get-go, and you'll be very happy you drafted them. Absolutely. And um, you know, listen, they might not have all the innings, but you take them and you you replace these type of guys. One thing I do like about them is when Wood and Cobb are hurt, they're on the IL. They're not messing around. Mm. It's not as Rich Hill headache, right? I think feel like they yeah. go on the IL. They don't have a blister midweek or get pushed back. They go on the IL and you can replace them. You'd rather they not get hurt, but at least you can replace them, hold them on your IL spot or your reserve, and then worry about it that way. That, that, those headache players uh, can be super frustrating. And I put Rich Hill as, as the main one, although he's, you know, that's what we call a hipster headache inducing pitcher that stifle who stifled the entire roster stifling the entire roster, right? Yeah. Who, who stifled the, the entire uh, roster? Yeah. There's no W in the word hipster though. That's what I'm saying. Wait. Oh, we can add in the, in the act. <laughs> Fine. Stifling. Yeah, you want to do that? I'm cool with it. Pitcher stifling the entire roster. Okay. Perfectly. That's that's cool. That's, that's good. With me. Fits I like perfectly. It. Yeah. I'll do that moving forward. Stifling. Sounds I will. I love your acronym. And that's what <laughs> I think we had this conversation last week and I kept messing up trying to correct you, which didn't make for a very good correction when I couldn't say it right. That it was the who that was throwing me off. And I heard Mm. that on one of you on the corners and I was like, I like that acronym, Mm. but you can't throw in that W. Why not? 
That's uh, fine. Because it doesn't, it's not hipster or however that would, uh, we could just would say that if we wanted to, uh, no, uh, but yeah, anyway, Alex, when Alex Cobb, you should be circling them in your drafts. You should be happy starting them right away, which is a very important thing. Don't get a guy that you're going to bench the first two starts of the year that you're just losing exactly. value. And I, I like, uh, the market's always discounted these two, right? They, they, mm. they get probably overly discounted because of their injury concerns and their talent gets obscured because of it. Cobb was somebody I was already drafting when he was a free agent. And then of course he goes to San Francisco. People start getting on board with him, but I love, um, that these guys are over. Uh, discounted because of that injury history. Uh, my guys, Jose Arquiti, again, somebody I've talked about a whole lot. Uh, Eno is, is a big fan as well. And so the, the Eno co-sign makes life easy too, because uh, <laughs> yeah, right. well, it actually makes life difficult because then he goes higher in drafts. So if anything, <laughs> Eno's love for him only makes life more difficult on Arquiti. But I'm, I'm right there. I just, I, I love, I love this this profile here. We haven't fully seen it. We haven't seen it in full bloom yet, but you basically look at his career numbers and it's a season, right? 177 and two thirds innings. And it's a 355 ERA and 102 whip. What I love about him is the whip. That's, that's an underrated fantasy category that it gets overlooked. We talked about this on the last fireside about like a four something ERA guy with a low whip is way more undervalued than a high threes ERA guy with a high whip. It's Framber Valdez versus John Means. Yes, exactly. 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 That's a, that's a great way to put it. And so I love Rikidi. He actually has a pretty good ERA to go with it though, by the way, 355 for his career. He's been under four every time health has been the issue and it's still a concern. I do think it's well put into his cost though. He's not quite as discounted as like a web uh, or as like a, uh, a cob and a, um, uh, and a wood. I mixed them there when I put <laughs> web, <laughs> you add Alex Cobb and, and uh, Alex Wood, you get Logan Webb. Um, but you also get a healthy guy. 107 <laughs> innings last year was a career high for Arkady. Got to have more than that. Give me 150. I think we can get to 150 there. I even think there's strikeout upside too. We've seen just a 21% strikeout rate throughout his career, but we have swing strike rates that hint at more. 11% is a good foundation to build on. He has a bevy of 50, 60 grade pitches. Uh, the changeup's probably the only 60, but the others are 50, 55s on a given day. Deep arsenal, capable swing and miss, excellent command and control. When all I need is the health piece, Nick, you know how what I always say, like, if the talent's there and all I need is the health, I'm taking that guy. And that's why I yeah. like Wooden Cobb too, because the talent's there. I don't need skill development. All I need is health and I'm willing to roll those dice. So yeah. give me her, Jose or Keaty. It's the same the same situation as other guys is if it's health and they're healthy now, then great. Go and get mm-hmm. them and then start them and feel good about it. Uh, he's not going at a, at a point in the draft where you need to rely on him as your SP3 or 4 or something like that. I uh, what's really nice about Arkady is that he has all these pitches comfortably over a 60% strike rate. And what that means is he has a really good walk rate. It was 5% last year. That's insane. And that's yeah. going to stay there, which means the whip is really good too. Um, he's on a winning ball club. He has a great defender in Pena now at shortstop. You know, it's, it's a good in Bregman. I mean, things are, are nicely aligned uh, for Arkady. The question, as you mentioned, yeah, how good is that strike rate going to be? 21% last year in 2019, 24%. Um, last three years combined is a 21 if you want to include 2020, which I don't know if you really do. Um, it's it's good. I, I The reason I have him lower than others is because I don't know how good it will be. Um, the strikeout rate does concern me slightly, and it has me kind of pairing him with a lot of other, hey, these are cool guys too, like Jordan Montgomery, Adam Wainwright, and Marcus Stroman, and, and whatnot. 
Um, so it's not necessarily the guy I need to get. Like I'd prefer to have your guy Tanner Houck in my draft than Jose Urquidy just for the exactly what I was talking about before with the ceiling being higher and it's worth it with all of those options. Yes. To not chase. Jose I actually would too, by the way. Like I, I, I go for like a Houck to try to right. capture that. Uh, Joe Ryan. Yeah. Like, you know, and Houck has like, you know, dream season potential. And it's probably only going to be for 130 innings, but he could have, if everything went crazy for him, right? percent K rate, sub three ERA and a tiny whip. Like that could be Houck for 130 innings. Urquidy's dream season is more of like he would stay healthy, throw 180 with like a 330 ERA and a tiny whip. Uh, yeah. With, you know, like a 20. Which sounds awesome. Yeah, and I'd I would be- love that. I would with that. Right, exactly. But uh, it's not going to be as tangible um, as Hauk and will be as a parent. Exactly. Um, and Hauk so. probably has a better um, chance of, of happening, even though those are both, you know, 95th percentile. I'm at 60. I don't know where you yeah. have her, Keith. Um, I have, well, here's the thing. The way I did kind of my tiers or my, my groupings, things really started to uh, break down after uh, like the top four. And what I mean by breakdown is like the number was there. I kept ranking them. But mm-hmm. these are different groupings, right? The globs are starting. Okay, yeah. You're starting to place pieces based on the rotation you're building as opposed to just looking. So I, uh, bottom line yep. is I have Arkady 42, but he's in a group called Whip It Good. And it's guys that just have amazing whips. John Means, Arkady, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, um, and Chris Bassett. Like those guys, they're just going to help your whip. But if you don't yeah. need that, then you should jump down and take more of a strikeout guy. Um, right. You know, so it, it, that's the that's the thing. I'll say the number, but I just I don't want to say that I'm like committed that he's 42 and your 60 is dumb because I don't think that. I want to I want to call like Detmers and Hauk and Ryan the strawberries because they pair really well with a cool whip. <laughs> I love that. Nicholas, just, yeah, that's, some that's of your mnemonic devices <laughs> make me want to jump out a window. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I understand it. That's uh, the normal well, actually, reaction. It's, no, it's more of some of your nicknames, like the, the Jeff Samarja one I never liked. Oh, um, Loose Lips? Yeah. yeah. But, that one's been uh, retired. So many of them are excellent, and that was amazing. I love that. <laughs> and I love those strawberries because I get I like those strawberries, and they go well with a cool whip. Brilliant. Exactly. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, let's get in the sleeper range here. Now we're in 76 to 100. These guys are, are readily available. You, you, if you wait too long, you might get snaked. So if you like these mm. guys, go get them in your draft because you're not paying a premium. Even if you jump up their ADP, let's talk about yours. He's a big spring riser and yet he's still pretty affordable. Talk about Jesus Lazardo. So, yeah. Jesus Lazardo. Um, before we even get to him, I do want to mention I watched Bailey Ober yesterday, and mm-hmm. I remember in our last fireside, you know, you talked about Joe Ryan and Ober being collect a uh, collective, and I expressed, "Hey, I don't really have much faith in the slider developing." And what happens yesterday? Forty-one percent slider usage from Bailey Ober against the Red Sox, watching. and it was a good, yeah, it was a good light up for you. And even to my embarrassment, I um I play this game often where I look at the Savant um pitch detail box. Like I see like a oh, cool, what were the results of the pitches? And mm-hmm. then I look at the um the strike zone plot and then I make I guess at what the line is. And I try I, and just I, figure from I those love two that, things. By the way. <laughs> and I was so wrong. I thought like, okay, he threw 41% sliders because the fastball wasn't working. He wasn't putting the fastball like over Rizzy, he wasn't putting exactly what he wanted. Slider was a little bit too uh, to glove side and wasn't really down enough. And no, he dominated the Red Sox. And I watched it. And yeah, it was a guy completely in command with the slider and fastball. He didn't have as many strikes as you'd think, but it wasn't, it weren't like major misses. 
You know, he was just off the plate or something like that with it. Mm-hmm. it makes me a lot more interested in Bailey Ober than I was before. And I probably would elevate him to right next to your guy now that you're matching. I won't spoil who that is. Okay. Who's actually like for me, it's Jesus Azordo at 63, your guy at 64, and I'd probably put Bailey Ober at 65 now. I love it. I love um, it. Just so we're clear. Uh, but anyway, Jesus Lazardo, he's throwing 97. Now I remember at the end of last year being like, yo, if he throws his curveball over 40% of the time and stops throwing sinkers, mm-hmm. this could work. He's doing both of those things. He's 48% curveballs in his last spring's training start and 97 on his fastball, 795, with just four seamers. That's really cool. That's um, amazing. It's not the same 97 as other guys. Like it's still more hittable than you'd want it to be like Mm -hmm. Hunter Green's. I don't care about Hunter Green. I think he's going to hurt your teams, honestly, because he throws 100 plus and it's oddly hittable in the second one. Great. Yeah, it's a flat 100. Right. It's um, it's just too hittable for whatever reason. Actually, I wish he I think he thinks it wants to be more flat, right? Because of VAA and stuff. I don't know what it is. It's just not good uh, as far as an individual pitch. So Jesus Lazardo's, I think, also is not the best. Uh, still, throwing 97 instead of 95 has helped him already. Guys are fouling things off instead of hitting them into play and hard. And the heavy curveball usage is just fantastic. And he did it. I had a suspicion it was only against lefties. But no, he lefties, righties alike, throwing this curveball, having a lot of success. It makes me really think that Jesus Lazardo is a fantastic post-hype sleeper here. Yeah. And that was the thing too, you know, when, when he goes to Miami and I talked about this with the Trevor Rogers thing about trusting Miami and really, excuse me, believing in a lot of what they're doing. They got Lazardo last year in that, uh, in that Starling Marte deal. And it was was definitely like a buy low because he was having just a disastrous season. Nothing went well. And you're like, well, it's out right now. Right. There's no reason to even, uh, for me, I was like, I'm not getting back in on him when he went to Miami. I was like, this season, I'm putting off to the side. If, if he beats right. with Miami, I will tip my cap to those who wavered him and lose on that. But we got to assess him in the offseason, and this offseason has been excellent. And every every bit of news that comes out about Lozardo has been pretty good to show that he's getting back on that trajectory uh, that he had with Oakland when he had his hype. So I'm in with that one. That's another good pick there. I really do like that. I'm going to stay same division here, and I'm going to go with Tyler McGill, a.k.a. Tyler McGill. Um, it's just Tyler <laughs> McGill, but I understand why people pronounce it like that because they decided to spell Tyler, T-Y-L-O-R. Um, but it's, it's just straight up Tyler. But I'm really excited about him. And I got to be honest, uh, the reason that he has a starting spot is a bummer because it's it's because the Grom's on the shelf. Um, I still think he might have had one regardless. As much as I Me love Juan Walker, I still think that if Jacob DeGrom was healthy, McGill might have gotten the edge over you know you know tywin walker is even saying that his knee's a little bit sore now and i imagine because uh because of the degrom injury it's kind of more pressing for him to start is what i think is going on i would avoid tywin walker in all cases velocity is down everything like that if you had any worry about it facilitate another injury or like yeah further injury i think i I think it's inevitable if he's still hurting now uh why don't they go david peterson or something just to fill in and let taiwan get healthy i like taiwan a lot man he's a really good dude had some interactions with him on twitter and everything like i just i've always rooted for him yeah, we want him to do well. But, it's but just that, that uh, health is, too. is scary. And the secondaries uh, as well. So McGill, I thought, was going to have a spot regardless. I'd been drafting him as though the time's going to be there because even if he had started as kind of the sixth guy, um, look at look at what they're relying on health-wise right. and age-wise. 
he was going to get his opportunity. Well, the opportunity's here right away. He impressed so much in 89 and two-thirds last year. And I did even mention in my my big SP ranking with all the commentary, like, this is a little reminiscent of Luis Castillo's 2017 debut, which I referenced <laughs> earlier in here. And I'm like, oh, I hope I'm not doing it again, but I, I, I have to. I, I got to get in here. What I will say, though, McGill is nowhere near as expensive as Castillo was. Well, now. right, yeah, exactly. That, you know, you and I yeah. were pushing up Castillo, and it kind of – we kind of pulled the market up. His second he, half was great. It was, I mean, he did eventually get back on track. You know what? It's that cold weather. Uh, but we, we, he, I had him as the 28th starter in 2018, Luis Castillo. I don't have Tyler McGill anywhere near there. 65. Right. So it's a lot more yeah. tempered there. Um, but I, I think there's so much to like with this arsenal and Mets going to Mets. Sure. But they've got some great guys there that just the just the pitchers that he works with that 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 can give him tips and kind of help him move along. I think is really impressive, and he seems like a student of the game type where he's trying to learn things from Degrom, from Scherzer, from Bassett. Um, and so, what isn't there to like from Tyler McGill? Twenty six years old. The best part, he's What's throwing that? two ticks harder. Oh, exactly. The velo is, it was already 94 seven, which is totally fine. And he's amped no, it up. But this is different. I mean, once you get over oh, the 94 hump or even like in 95, then it's like 96. And he was yeah. actually doing well with 94.5 last year. It's, uh, now it's, it's a like 96, 97 at times. And it's like, wait, what? Uh, that's a huge difference. And that makes me think of kind of, uh, if he can take a step forward with either the slider or changeup, slowly turns into a Brandon Woodruff a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very appealing, of course. Hopefully, not like Whoa. spring 2022 spring training. I Brandon Woodruff, uh, yeah. normal Brandon Woodruff, but um, Brandon yeah, Woodruff. I watched yeah, Woodruff right. the other day, by the way, and he was giving up some. I, 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 just, I think he's just sleepwalking through, yeah. I, I, I think I just don't think he really cares that much. I um, didn't see anything where I was like, oh no, he's laboring the, and I'm scared. The one that we should be careful about is who the Arias, um, two and a half ticks down yesterday. Um, to 91, I think it was, or even 90 and a half. It was, it was bad. And I, we gotta be careful with that one. Um, but I, but Tyler McGill, I mean, he's also going to be on the Mets where the Mets are going to let him pitch. Uh, they're not going to like pull him after five innings or so. They're going to say, okay, cool. We need some innings right now because we don't know how many we're going to get from everybody else. Exactly. And, uh, and Tyler McGill, I mean, he can go six innings. If you're in a quality start league, I might be pushing McGill up a little bit further just because I need those innings. Yeah, he's 26. I think he's ready. I, I think he's coming fully formed, kind of like a Joe Ryan. People are like, you're really high on Joe Ryan. It's like, I think he's coming to the league fully formed. I think McGill is, mm. not, not that he can't improve, but that they're already at a certain level where the teams are going to trust them to, to take 30 turns if their health allows. Right. Uh, let's hit the lottery tickets outside the top oh, 100 man. here or, or right at 100 for your guy. Uh, yeah. let's, let's do it. Let's talk about the veteran. I mean, long. okay. So I... Uh, yeah, Patrick Corbin, yell, what's up? Hi. <laughs> I, I mean, I have at 71 because I, I look, I was in the shower and I have the, the the hot beads of water going down and I'm just like staring at them falling, just thinking Patrick Corbin, like it's just really like one year and a half, you know, and mm-hmm. he used to be so good. The Not velocity half, is still the there. Way. Not even a half. Yeah, yeah right. Like barely matters. Right? And uh, it wasn't like it, we talked about, I think last time is that Patrick Corbin wasn't horrible the entire season. Exactly. Um, velocity went up by the end. The major difference I saw between 2018 and 19 versus now is fastballs in the zone or not. Um, sub 50% rates uh, into 18 and 19. Well, 55% plus uh, for Corbin and okay. recently. And that is, 
that is an indication to me of, oh, Corbin, you're throwing two hittable pitches. And if you get back to nibbling effectively, that could open the door now for uh, for guys getting less complacent and swinging at the heater. Uh, and the slider still gets a lot of whiffs. It's not quite the 29% swing strike rate, but it's still 20% but it's still plus. good. Exactly. And that's, that should be enough. And the Nationals are going to rely on him so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like your five-inning fastball slider guy. This, no, no, is, no, this more is like than that. seven inning consistently. Right. If he's if his pitch counts are oh, there, Cor- Corbin and I can't get it out of my head. Course, yeah, I can't get out of my head that like Patrick Corbin ascends, and we're like, oh right, he just had like one down year, and that was it. Exactly. Uh, so and, I haven't like, forgot about it. I, I know he was he was an obvious one for this, uh, like who's the next Robbie Ray type, but that's exactly the type of guy because if you'd if, when you. If you had said Robbie Ray at this time last year, people would have laughed at you and said, what are you talking about? That dude's exactly Which yeah. is exactly what people were saying about Corbin. That's why he does fit that whole he could yep. do this year's Robbie Ray. Of course, you know, I believe in that. Uh, Casey Bubba believes in that. And really, honestly, hearing that Casey Bubba believes in it, that's all that matters. Definitely. Getting, co- getting the right cosigns, you're just like, I love that. I love <laughs> you know, when, whenever I'm on something and, you know, uh, like Rob Silver says something and, and he has a similar take on a player, I'm like, yes. Love that. You know, right? it's, it's, it's an appeal to authority. I understand it's a logical fallacy. I don't care. These are my friends. You know, and I like when my friends agree with me. I, I said I liked Zach Gallen once to Craig Mish and he started nodding away. I know that was an easy one because it's, it's Zach Gallen and Craig Mish, but, but it still was early, wasn't Craig it? Mish. It was like entering 2020. Okay. Um, or, and, and it's just like, oh, oh, Craig, thank you. I needed this right now. And he has I detailed, uh, you know, b- behind the scenes with yeah, uh, right. Gallen because Marlon's guy. Remember, he was well, that's awesome. what I mean. Is like yeah. he's like, oh, everybody's. He I'm like, right. I'm like, thank you. I feel so good. Thank you, Craig. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, so my <laughs> my outside the top 100, my lottery ticket guy, uh, actually love. still has a lottery ticket, but you know, definitely finding some love in like the NFBC world. Uh, so don't wait too long on him if you like Reed Detmers. Very big on Reed Detmers. Excited about the Angels in general. This might be the year, Nick. We might get Otani and Trout in the playoffs. They're, they're really starting to put some things together with pitching. There's still some ifs that really need to come together. Make no mistake about it. Our boy Patrick Sandoval has to be good for a full season. They need Thor to at least come out and pitch 130 quality innings. I'm excited about the Lorenzen transition. Detmers could be the X factor, though. When he was drafted back in 2020, he and another guy I'm going to talk about were the two guys that were tabbed as the quickest potential to the majors guys. And so Detmers already being here isn't necessarily a particular surprise. There was some chatter that if the Angels had been any good in 2020, he could have come up and relieved for them, uh, you know, lefty out of the bullpen. You watch the, you look at the 2020 and two thirds innings from last year, you look at those stats, and you're going to be like, there is nothing here. Watch him. Watch a couple of the starts, and it's it, you're gonna see just the stuff. And it's in and out, right? Pitch to pitch, batter to batter. Uh, there's not a ton to take away from these 20 innings. But I'm going off the raw stuff, the pedigree of of this guy being a 10th overall pick. I like so much of what Detmers can do and the upside that he has that I'm not worried about the the eight percent strikeout minus walk rate in 20 innings last year. The fact that he even made the majors off of his first pro year and after just eight innings at AAA was enough for me to show to say like, oh, the the Angels are really confident in him too. He's having an excellent spring. He got himself a spot, 11 strikeouts, zero walks, and five and two thirds. Again, a tiny sample, but he did what he needed to do to secure that spot. I think he can be a game changer this year, not only for the Angels, but for your fantasy team. And I think he, I don't even know that he's going to have a colossal innings restriction. I wouldn't be surprised if Reed Detmers jumped to 150 innings this year, which would be a lot for a a 22 year old. 
No, I'm in on it. Um, I mean, I think you're just pandering to me at this point. I, I, I <laughs> I'm, I'm at 51. I'm trying, 51 man. is Reed Detmers for me. Uh, I'm such a huge fan. You see him on the hill, and he has a full approach. Uh, a curveball for strikes, um, slider to get whiffs, and even his fastball, we don't get the readings. But, I mean, he's elevating with intending on whiffs on it this spring. He just looks like almost the same composure of Shane McClanahan even. On Good, the hill. Great word. Yes. That's, um, that, and that's what you'll see if you watch any of the 20 and two thirds from last year, the composure, the yeah. I belong attitude, which right. it's an intangible kind of thing. But if you kind of know what to look for and you're watching it, you're like, oh, th- this is different. And I'm, there's like he, no edges in fantasy anymore. So you got to look for a little stuff like that because it's not sure. always in the numbers. He's 22, turns 23 in the middle of the year in, in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, this is a guy who's had to deal with being the young one, the young star for ages. I I know that sounds really strange to talk about it like that, but he didn't actually allow a ton of hard contact last year. Just 23% in that short stint had an amazing outing against the Astros. And I remember just from that one outing, um, I thought, oh, oh, this is how it works is when you get yeah. your curveballs over the plate and you have a 40% CSW on 32 thrown. I understand now how this works and you get sliders for, for whiffs and lots of O swing on that. And yeah, okay, this absolutely works. Um, Demers, I think, can cruise uh, for the Angels. And not to mention, first start of the year is going to be against the Marlins. I'm starting him for it. Easy, easy start for that as well. I would also say watch the Dodgers start to watch him deal with adversity in the first couple innings and then settle down for those final three. So, yeah, if you're pressed for time or you just, you know, you don't want to watch all five starts, watch the Dodgers and Houston starts. They're back to back, obviously, two amazing teams. He struggles early, Reed Detmers does against the Dodgers. Uh, first two innings gives up all five of those runs, settles down for the final three, and then his best start of the five was against the Astros. And like Nick said, you see it all right there, and you're like, "Oh, this is this is how this but works." We get it. And yeah. someone that's very similar that we didn't mention here is uh, it's interesting because I think a lot of people making having their drafts like tonight or mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday night or Wednesday night, these two guys, Detmers and Brash, are jumping up boards and rightfully so, big time because um, they both but, like breaking cam. Break camp, and we all have seen the pitching ninja gifts of yes. uh, is, is breaking ball. It's insane. Um, I actually am going to ask you, because I think I have a name or two in my head. If you had to give a comp to Matt Brash right now, um, who would that be? And I'm going to kind of describe the variables for everybody. You know, Brash has this really wicked uh, breaking ball. I mean, plus, plus stuff here. Um, misses a lot of bats, but doesn't actually get it too often in the zone. Um, strike rate is going to be a question for me when it comes to that breaking Freddie ball. Carlton? And Freddie Peralta is a good one. Yeah, it's a lot more of that effective wild of like fastball slider yeah. stuff. I kind of see him a little bit like Lance McCullers with a little bit better fastball. Um, uh, yeah, I can definitely see that. And um, like 96 to upper 90s, like yes. what? Uh, and McCullers certainly has flirted with that himself. Um, but I think Brash's fastball is harder to hit. But then McCullers had a little bit more variability with a changeup or whatever. Yeah, uh, some, he had a little bit more of, of, of the third pitch aspect right. that. But it's still Brash is going to be fun. De- Devers is more complete, uh, I think. But Brash is going to light up a lot of uh, scorecards. So he's a fun one, too. I agree. Very excited about Matt Brash in Seattle. Kind of an honorable mention that we both agree with there as a lottery ticket. Let's go off the charts, guys, that are that are just we don't we don't know what's going on. They're deep sleepers. Um if you play a deeper league, you go for them. If you play a shower league, you watch list them, which a lot of outlets have that little star that you can put. And then you click the watch list. And those are the guys who follow 
Let's start with yours. Um, are you are you listing both these guys here? The one that next. I mean, I think one. I don't know if they how deep they are. I, I saw I mean, they're both they're, deep. So they're both, they're both currently 480p. I feel like that's not true. They'll go into 12 teamer at this well, point. Especially the the one that just was announced on his team. Like he'll right. So I'm still upset. I'm still upset at Gray Albright for stealing Nick Lodolo from me in TGFBI. I I, um, <laughs> I had him. I had him actually in for five dollars like three weeks ago. Oh. And I was ready for this because you, I didn't think the Reds were going to do them. But I was like, I look, I'm not going to start guys, everyone on my bench the first week or so. So like yeah. for TGFBI and all this stuff, like two spots are reserved as a stash because it's a weekly league. So mm-hmm. it's like Nick Lodolo, I think will come up after two weeks or something like that. And <laughs> I'm ready to do this. Oh, you'd have been right. He's not even starting until the 13th either. Yeah. But they said he broke camp, and so that announcement is enough Changed to push everything. Him up. I still yep. put him at thirty-five dollars, and and Gray got him at sixty. I'm like, I should have been sixty-one. Whatever. I love Nick Lodolo. I think he's better than Hunter Green. I think he's uh, has just overall good command, really deceptive fastball, amazing mm-hmm. slider too, low arm angle that is just really hard for guys to deal with. He's he kind of reminds me of a better Sean Manaya of imagine Ooh. Sean Manaya as like. Uh, throw 92, 93. That's Lodolo yeah. with slider that actually does yeah. lots of stuff too. Same arm action, um, same kind of look to him. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great to me. Uh, but my real guy is yeah, Nick Martinez. Your, your other Nick. Nick the, that first yeah, oh my God, they're both Nick. Who's the other Nick? <laughs> I'm just all about Alex and Nick in this podcast. That's oh it. my God. Jesus Mizardo snuck in there, but uh, Alex Corbin, uh, he goes by Patrick, but it is Alex Corbin, let's be honest. Oh, yeah, of course. It was, yeah, uh, so absolutely. About Nick Martinez coming back from yeah. overseas, pitching with the Padres. What do we see here? Remember, when he was with Texas, he would show flashes on, on very rare occasions where you're like, Mm, this kind of works, but then it never quite got over the hump. Can he get over that hump this year? Nick Martinez returning uh, yeah. from, I believe, was it, was it Korea? Uh, no, Japan. NPB. Uh, yeah, this is a stealth on the corner podcast right now with Nick and Alex. Um, we have uh, Nick Martinez, guys. He's throwing harder than it was in Texas. I was actually kind of upset. I, I, this is such a stupid thing to be upset about. But I remember watching the broadcast yesterday, watching his game. Um, for the Padres and the graphic they put up were his numbers with Texas through 2017. And I'm like, I don't care. I want to see his Japan numbers. Yeah. Like if you're going to include those, fine, you can include them, but to only show those is just so representative. Not not even close. He was throwing like 90, 91 and now he's throwing 94, 95. And you watch this and I got, I implore everybody to watch as much as they can because you subconsciously can tell when a guy is in command of his stuff and how he is going about his business. Is he battling himself with every pitch or is he battling the batter? Martinez Mm. is battling the batter. He's able to put fastballs down and away and up and in. He has a deadly changeup that we saw getting multiple whiffs. I really like the shape of his curveball that he was using aggressively to get strikes. And he has a slider that I think is maybe the weakest element um, it maybe could have been the camera angle. It didn't look like it had significant bite to it. Sometimes floated into the zone. Uh, regardless, three and three and a half pitches, you want to say, allows Nick Martinez to go over five innings constantly. I believe he's kind of like a Toby, but one with strikeout upside. And I got to find a term for this because there are like a lot of guys that are like that for me right now. Um, but Nick Martinez is, in there. I don't have any worry about him getting ousted of the Padres rotation. When Sean Manaya got traded for, they were thinking, oh, is it six man? Does Martinez lose a spot? He has no options. They cannot send him down to the yeah. minors. 
And the Padres have learned their lesson of 2021 when everyone got hurt. They are mm-hmm. never going to stop allowing Nick Martinez to pitch because I mean, they, they need every much- single inning he can do. Which yeah. one, what was that? Remember when they had too much pitching coming into last year, and then by the oh end yeah, of the year, it was like were, eight of them. Oh man, they were like gluing it together. And I think Woody Williams got four starts in August. I don't know if you remember that, but that, oh was god, crazy. yeah, it was it was bad. It was like also it reminded me of the Mets, which is the funniest thing ever to me. Yes, I got to bring in all Mets, but yeah. they signed Jordan Yamamoto in the March mm-hmm. of last year as like everyone's like, what's this for? It's like oh, it's because they all ex- they expect everyone to get injured. Yep. So what happened? Yamamoto made one start because they needed him, and then he got hurt. And then, and, it was and then he, just, yeah, <laughs> fitting he got hurt. I was pretty cool. Oh, Woody Williams, man. and I said, I said he's fifty-eight. He's actually fifty-five. So I was kind of cool. Oh, there you go. All right, all right. To Woody Williams. Uh, so Nick <laughs> Martinez is a good one. I really like that him coming back from overseas. I'm excited about. You know, the last guy re- that returned from overseas was Josh Lindblom, and I think a lot of people will probably be sour on that because they're like, ah, you know, he kind of stunk. I really think the health derailed him more than anything else. I thought that mm-hmm. Josh Lindblom, when he came back over, and I think he he was Korea, uh, but when he came back over, it was working the way it was supposed to, the way it had been sure. working in Korea, but the health just cut him down. So he only ended up with like 70 innings. So um, right. I'm only bringing that up because I don't want people to be soured on the guys well, returning from it, Asia. It, because Lindblom didn't. didn't yeah, it's very it easy out. to do that. There's also Miles Michaelis as well, Merrill Kelly coming from yeah. Asian teams and, and coming over. But, but they all have different talents and abilities. Exactly. And they're not the same seen, regardless. What I've seen from Nick Martinez is, is I think, a more of a complete package um, with, a, with a higher velocity, certainly is more appealing um, than the other guys we mentioned. So uh, I, I'm more in on uh, Chris Flexen, too. I'm, I'm more in on Nick Martinez than I am, I think. Uh, and I agree with you on the on the complete profile, whereas a lot of those guys came back and they'd really honed their command. They didn't really mm-hmm. have the strikeout capability. He upped his velo, Nick Martinez, day, which you, of course, highlighted. But that was such a big difference there. That's going to be so different from who he yeah. was with Texas when he, when he couldn't, you know, he's, he couldn't break a pane of glass with his velo before. And now, uh, you know, sitting 89, 90. God, that's so cruel. That's such a rare insult, and I love it. At least my dad's diss, and I always <laughs> loved it. That was his diss on a low velo, guys. Like he couldn't break a pane of glass, and it was just—it's so biting. It's not vulgar. You don't have to swear. Like there's nothing, yeah, bad about it in terms of. I'm like, here for uh, it. The language, but it is a scathing diss. Uh, I love it. So uh, Cal Wright's my guy. Uh, oh man, an Atlanta pitcher who looks like he's going to break camp with a role. And mm-hmm. I'm excited about him. This is a guy that they've been waiting on for a little bit now. Even though he's not old, it's just one of those where there's a little bit of the prospect fatigue for Kyle Wright. He's kind of been in the fantasy landscape since he was drafted fifth overall in 2017. If you play uh, Dynasty Leagues, he's been around. You know, Vanderbilt guy too, so high-profile college. And it hasn't worked out so far. 70 innings scattered over four appearances, which tells you all you need to know. Those are all tiny samples because the composite is tiny. But I'm excited to see what he can finally do here. He was great in AAA last year. He just couldn't really bring that to the majors with him uh, because he didn't really get a chance. He had two starts. There's nothing to go off of. So there's not really anything in the majors that I'm looking at and saying, oh, this is great for Kyle Wright. But I liked what I saw in the one spring start that I saw from him this year. In fact, he only had one start. The other was a relief appearance. But I saw him out there looking like 
the prospect that that that's drawn the hype, right? Kyle Ryan, I think, has been a multi-time top 100 guy. And like I said, I think people are souring because they're like, well, what's, you know, time's ticking. He's 26. It's been a little bit of a, a, a slow burn, but I still think that he finally is going to get an opportunity this year. And I think he can ascend and, and really be somebody that if the command is there, that's the biggest key because he's walked the yard every time he's come to the majors. If Kyle Wright can keep his walk rate in the eight to 10% range, and even that's still a little bit high, but that would be enough for me to see him take a next step because he does have some swing and miss stuff. He just can't keep walking guys because what happens in, and I reviewed some of the limited sample that he has had is he'll walk two guys and then he's just laying in garbage pitches to try to get yeah. out to try to induce contact. So you don't see the swing and miss. So you look at Kyle, right? Nine and a half percent swing strike rate. You're like, he doesn't have swing and miss. It's because he backs himself into a corner. So if he avoids those early inning walks, then Kyle Wright can get more into his swing and miss stuff. And I'm just willing to take a gamble on him as a flyer. Atlanta is pretty good with pitcher development. Um, and I'm just hoping this is kind of last chance saloon for him. If it doesn't work this year, I'm fully out on Kyle Wright. But as a lottery ticket, why not? Yeah. Is this the right right? I don't know. It's been the wrong right every other year. It's and, been a lot of wrong rights. I agree. Um, I watched them after Waskari Noah the other day. They both won 4.2 innings, which somehow mm-hmm. works, I guess. I don't know how. Um, but I, yeah, that works. Yes, there's someone else who got like another out or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but the thing you have to understand is Kyle Wright did well there, but it was against the, the backups for the most part. Mm-hmm. And... Kyle Wright's, you know, good slider misses a lot of bats. Sometimes he gets a curveball for strikes. The fastballs get hit hard. I can't, I couldn't really tell from what we saw if that is any different. I would feel very concerned to start him right away. Uh, But yeah, absolutely be monitoring how well Kyle Wright does. He has this opportunity now. He has stuff as opposed to a lot of other guys that get these opportunities that we just don't care about. Even if Zach Lothar does well, we are not going to pick up yeah. Zach Lothar. Half, so, half the people listening do not know what team Zach Lothar is. Actually, I'll say 70%. And I'm not even saying that as a diss. You yeah. should know what team he's on. It's, yeah, he, he, it's like he's Stuck placed on the ZL. It's like, just don't even <laughs> ignore him. Um, like, but I, I'm so sorry, Zach. I'm sure you're a wonderful guy. That's the I, thing. Whenever we roast players, yeah. it's just about like... I'm so sorry. Um, but anyway... Kyle Wright, absolutely, that's a good choice, especially as a deep sleeper of someone that this might be all of a sudden the time that he blossoms in. If he's yeah. able to throw better fastballs and they're not getting crushed, you know, watch the hard contact rate on those sinkers and fastballs and four-seamers. Uh, this as, could turn out well. As Nick said, if you pick him up, reserve roster right now. Let a few starts go. Even if you know if they're even if the first one's good, don't immediately put him in, I think. And then you can wait a little bit. But I got him as a stash right now, and I'm eager to see what's up with Kyle Wright. All right, last one, prospect. These guys just have to be in the minors with an expectation that they're going to come up at some point this year. And we both have some pretty big guys here. Let's talk about Grayson Rodriguez. We just roasted Baltimore a little bit with Zach Lothar. Uh, let's talk about their number one prospect and arguably the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball. He definitely is over at Fangraphs. He rated third behind Rutschman and Witt. Um, I don't even know who you would necessarily put above him. Uh, maybe a, a healthy Shane Boz, but he's not healthy. That, that's our that's our second pitching prospect on our top 100 at Fangraphs. So I don't know. Do you have anybody ab- above Grayson Rodriguez, or is he your, your number one? No, yeah, I believe he's our number one. Um, there's also like Daniel Espino, but I think he's too far away to talk yeah. about him this year. 
I and there was someone else I was thinking about, but uh, oh yeah, for a moment I was like, okay, Cavalli, but he's not been doing well, and we're not going to do that one or Matt Libertor. Them, they both might get opportunities, but not the ones we're going like, to do. I like the Libertor one. He's not my pick yeah. either. But just uh, not you originally like, put him and then deleted. And I said, go with you, Libertor. You're like, nah, I don't <laughs> like him. And I, well, like, go yeah, ahead, go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, no, go, ahead. please. I uh, give my my quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you quick, my quick love for him because you roasted him a little bit, and I understand why, because you look at the numbers and they're not super inspiring from AAA, but he missed all of 20 like everyone did. That was a key development year for somebody who was drafted in 18. Like That's a tough year to lose. He jumped from A ball to AAA, held his own for the full year with some decent numbers. They're not eye-popping by any stretch, but I think Matthew Libertor is going to go back to AAA continue to fine tune and then come up this year and actually be pretty good. So I like Matt. Yeah, that sounds, he's, that he's, not fine. he's not my, but yeah. I just thought you were a little harsh on it when you said, I well, don't want to it's like the my rules receiver. when it comes to a prospect pitcher, um, they innately have risk attached because of they're course. new and they have jitters and all this stuff. So for me to, in a 12 team to really like jump in on a guy, they need to showcase something electric, something that is, that would showcase that they are, can go above. It needs to be amazing low walk rates and good strikeout rates. Essentially, it needs to have high swing strike rates. Um, and you know, we saw that from Shane McClanahan. We saw that from Alec Manoa. Okay, there are a couple mm-hmm. other guys that came up and they didn't perform. Um, but you need to have those qualities. And Libertor, to me, at least from like what I've seen and from the basic look of his 2021 numbers, just not enough sub 11 percent swing strike rate. I it's just like eh, um, not quite there. Like twenty four percent strikeout rate. It's and, and not saying that it can't. It can't. No, no, I know. As far as if someone I'm like, oh my minor league pick. Yeah, I'm not gonna put my all my eggs on my basket. That Libertor is amazing. When he comes up, I think he's gonna be worth the attention because it's St. Louis. Um, and, and defense, defense could elevate him. Yeah, if he finds right. a little bit of strikeout stuff, if Libertor is coming up after striking out twenty seven percent at AAA, paired with that defense. Then Absolutely. I think the context yeah. really changes. But let's focus on Grayson. Um, he was never going to break camp. All these fun guys yeah. breaking camp. He's he's a double A guy. Yeah, he he has not hit triple A yet, so he was never really going to break for a team that's not contending. But he should be up at some point this year. Talk to us about what Rodriguez can do upon arrival. I mean, the guy is absurd. Uh, it's everything that you want. I'm just talking about electricity. Well, 17% swing strike rate last year, 39% K rate with a 7% walk rate, a 0.87. Five hit per nine, which was worse than his 4.24 in the five games in a plus ball. I mean, he's insane. Um, we've been talking about him being insane for ages. Throws hard, has an amazing slider, has an amazing changeup. Like, it's what? You're super, super good. Um, and I will say this, considering that Adley Rushman should arrive soon in like a month or something like that because yeah, of the injury, the, um, the Orioles offense isn't the worst thing I've ever seen. John Means is it's not nice terrible player. at all. No, uh, very good. And there could be an opportunity of, hey, you know what? We're not horrible. Let's just get Grayson Rodriguez up now so that when we enter 2023, we're good to go. And I imagine it's going to be like in June to make sure the pass is super two and all that fun stuff that did not change. Mm-hmm. Um, in the CBA, like we thought it might. Uh, so yeah, you won't see Grayson for a little bit, but you're gonna likely see him this year. Generally, what we normally see is a guy's in double A, and then if they're really good, they play some games in triple A, yep, and, and then they're on the it, and then they're here, they're on the doorstep at that point, yep. Exactly. And here's one thing I would say so every league's different. If you play in the NFBC, you can't pick up a minor leaguer unless they were drafted and cut back into the pool, but a lot of leagues are just open, so. 
in your 12s and your 15s and, and even your 10s, because uh, I think Grayson Rodriguez will be an all-formats guy when he comes up. Keep yes. an eye on his uh, AAA performance and try to read the tea leaves of like, okay, this is seven great starts in a row. What else does he have left to prove? And try to jump on him before he comes up. That way you're getting the discounted price instead of waiting till he comes up. And then everyone's fab is pushing him up to like, oh, man. You know, a hundred dollars or, or I more. I can't agree more about this. Uh, it's it's really a strategy. Like I got Alec Manoa last year simply because it was a week where I didn't like anyone to sash. So instead of just holding on to whatever, I said, you know what? I'll just hold on to Alec Manoa. And then he came up in five days. Um, that's amazing. And he's having to work, right? Um, but I mean, that's the kind of stuff you can do, especially come May, where it's when you're seeing the pool of starters, there's no one that you feel has that amazing ceiling. Instead of just selling for I don't know, uh, Chris Flexen, say, you know what, maybe I'll stash uh, Grayson Rodriguez instead because I don't need that start of Flexen against the Angels or something yeah, like that. And if you're picking up Flexen and he doesn't like have any improved strikeouts and he's just like a guy who has a, a mid to high three ZRA and you're like, oh, I'll just pick him up ho-hum, but this I'm not the first starting Toby I thought of. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's a great call out though. Go for the prospect. <laughs> Who could be game changing? And if it's not Grayson Rodriguez, you might consider Max Meyer. I'm going back to Miami. Mm, there it is. How we love Sandy. I, Trevor Rogers was my uh, 21 to 50 breakout, and then I got Max Meyer here, and he and Nick had Jesus Lazardo. So that's a lot of Miami love, but they deserve it. Um, the way they've cultivated their pitching, by the way, Yuri Perez, years away, but oh my God, he might be the best of this yeah. entire bunch, which is saying a lot considering yep. how good all these guys are. But Max Meyer's the one for this year. He's the one I was hinting at earlier with Reed Detmers. When they were drafted, they were the two guys uh, on the pitching side. When you see those articles like, you know, who was the best pick? Who was the sleeper? Who's the guy who could be up first? Those were the two that always came up. All the articles across the industry was Reed Detmers, Max Meyer, Reed Detmers, Max Meyer. They haven't been up yet because, uh, or Max Meyer hasn't been up yet because Miami didn't really need to push it. They have right. pitching for days. This year, though, he's going to be knocking on the door. Last year, it would have been kind of like a push and, and bring him up uh, maybe a little bit before he was ready. He only has 10 innings at AAA. He's going to go back to AAA, continue to cultivate his stuff. Uh, he was amazing in a two-level season, which was his pro debut, by the way, because he was drafted in 20. So for your pro debut to be 111 innings of high A and triple, or, uh, excuse me, of double A AA and triple A greatness, I love it. Max Meyer's an absolute G, 14% swinging strike rate, gaudy swing, gaudy strikeout rates. Um, Everything's there for him. I mean, I, I don't see anything that's missing. The fastball slider combo is amazing. The changeup does need work, but the fastball slider can carry him while he figures out the changeup. And I think the command, like we give him a 30 command grade right now. I think his command, even, even if he came up to the majors right now, is better than that. I think it's closer to a, a 40. And if he's playing at like a 45, 50 command, game over. Uh, the opposition is dead for Max Meyer. So I love him. He'll be 23 left-hander, or excuse me, right-hander for Miami and uh, should be up around that June timeline. He, he feels like he's a lefty, right? Doesn't he? Does. It? He does. That, I don't know I, why. <laughs> there's so many guys like that, right? Where you put them at a particular handedness and they're just oh, not. And you can never get it out of your head yeah. that, that you think they're that way. Alec they Mills and Jordan Lyles are also lefties to me forever. Lefties. They have yeah. to. <laughs> don't tell me they're righties. They're soft-tossing lefties. That's all they are. <laughs> Uh, but no, Max Meyer, I mean, it's kind of interesting. And I feel bad for Eliezer. He got a, a comebacker um, today. I hit my that today. He got it by hit. It might mean Edward Cabrera gets the first opportunity mm -hmm. if he needs any time. 
But after Edward Cabrera, it's Max Meyer, probably. I mean, maybe Braxton Garrett, but I don't know. I, I think it would depend. It's like one of those things that depends on how long the opening is. If it's like a one sure. start, I think somebody like a Braxton Garrett who's on yeah. 40 would get the call. But if it's an extended injury where they're like, we need a guy for a month, then they make the roster move to get Meyer on the 40 and do it that way. That's what I think. Right, right. But uh, but yeah, I mean, keep an eye out on it because this these things happen fast. I mean, we saw Ryan Weathers pitch early last year. I mean, that was okay. Yeah. So so we can we can see guys get get moving quickly if there is an injury to or hey, there's always time for the Marlins to trade another starter. I think they do have another trade coming eventually. They similar to the to. Gallon Jazz deal. They just find a big hitter that you like. That's a younger guy. Get offer up one of these amazing pitchers and and another one for one to really spike their offense. Too. There I you totally go. Agree. Right, they they love these one to one deals. You got Marte and Jesus Cesardo. You yeah. got Gallon and Jazz. Oh, hey, when fun. you're offering big talent, you're getting big talent back. The one to ones are easy. So yeah, so absolutely. I think, I think there's definitely one there. You know, if Pablo wasn't hurt, I think they probably would have figured out something this year, maybe with mm. Pablo, because Alcantara is too good now at this point to to trade. I think I think they have Trevor Rogers as like an ace potential. Eliezer is probably not going to get them a big enough return. Max Meyer right. and Yuri Perez are a little unproven. So Pablo would have been that wheelhouse guy to go make a big trade uh, and get that premium hitter, but the busted up, you know, the, the the shaky shoulder right now. He's pitching and he's healthy right now, but the shaky shoulder I think might have dented the uh, the trade market. And the one pr- pitcher we're forgetting about is Sixto Sanchez. Sixto. Yes. Who, I mean, I, at this point, it's like mid- july or something we're expecting yeah. or something so like that him, when he does return there all of a sudden is another opportunity to even deal him. we've seen the yankees do something like that they got sunny yes. gray with some um b-level injured prospects like caprillian and mateo and uh and i can't remember the third one dustin like fowler? rutherford no dustin fowler probably dustin fowler. now it's like i don't know was he ever a yankee i don't know I think I think you have it right that he was, but I think he went in a different deal. He was the the White Sox. The White Sox, yes. Okay, I don't remember those two guys at all. Yeah, Dustin Fowler was the one. And remember, Dustin Fowler like bust up his knee on On the first game. Yeah, like some sort of exposed Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ran into it and it's derailed his career. So it's been really Uh, sad. sad. Good call out on that trade there. I could see six though getting dealt, but again, it wouldn't be a one for one. They would probably get a little. Oh yeah, it would be like Pablo and six though. Welcome, kind of like Raylo and Giolito, right? I had a meeting. Uh, look All at right. me knowing trades. <laughs> I love it. And knowing some hitters there too. Look at that. You knew Blake Rutherford. I mean, geez. <laughs> I don't even know if you know who uh Fran Mill Reyes is, but you know who Blake Rutherford is. Uh yeah, was that a good pick? Did I <laughs> Fran Mill remember me? <laughs> He's, he's a god, seriously. Uh, I absolutely adore him. All right, Nick, that's going to do it, man. We are two days away. Well, one day yes! when this comes out. This will be out on Wednesday, so we are a day away from opening day. Let us know what's going on at Pitcher List. Uh, not not just for opening day, but for the opening weekend. What do you, what do you guys got planned over there? I know oh man, on, on Thursday. What else you got going? I mean, we have all the regular stuff, guys. I write about pitchers every single night in the SB Roundup. I go over every single start. Come check that out. All my streamers. Um, we were just ready to go. I'm doing it at night and getting them out at hours. So I'm, I'm right. Go to bed and wake up at eight. Yeah. And stream. Yeah. Okay. I'm a crazy man. Spore. That's what I do. I thought maybe one or the, I thought it was going to change because sometimes it takes you a while at night, right? Like you can be, yeah, I mean, I I work at like from 11 to 1 AM and then Mm -hmm. I go to bed and wake up around eight or so to, to stream and do the streamers of the day and so on. I'm a five, Uh, six hour sleeper myself. So I'm, I'm, yeah, there we go. I, I, I normally get seven and that's good, but yeah, definitely check that out. 
Um, and, and of course, my list on every every Monday that breaking the top 100 starters. Come on Twitch. by Twitch.tv/slash pitcher list. Nick's got great stuff there. Really great for the morning. Whenever I wake up, first thing I put on. Yeah, it's fun to see you there. The Twitch. Always awesome. You got a great community there answering questions too. If you want fantasy questions answered, if you notice Nick doesn't really answer the comments on his pages because he's always doing the office hours five days a week with all those hours, having time to go in and answer all the comments as well would no, it's not going to happen. Bring Can't your do it. To the Twitch yeah. chat, they will get answered. Nick is very responsive to the chat there, and it's a lot of fun. So Twitch.tv well, list. Hey man, you're killing it, and I want to I want to promote great work, and you're one of my best friends as well. So, all right, man. Those seven pictures we both love. In fact, a few extra sprinkled in. It was closer to like nine or ten for both of us. But uh, those are some guys we love. If you get them in your drafts, good luck. Hit us on Twitter. Let us know uh, because I tell you what, Nick's like me. If we pump a guy. We got them on the fantasy team. So if they don't work hmm. out, we're dying with you. So we're hitting it. Yes. Yeah, we're and they're all going to hit. I mean, they're all going to hit. All going to hit. In the, <laughs> in the rare occurrence that they don't hit, um, we're not sending you out there alone. You know, it's no. like, I don't want that to happen. But if pa- Patrick Sandoval doesn't go off, well, Nick and I are feeling that pain too. But he's Oh, God. Work. I'm going to be so sad if that doesn't happen. I think oh, no. Don't, don't even like breathe I, that yeah. into existence. Did you read, did you read Alex Chamberlain's um, bold predictions? No. Does he have he did, Sandy as like a top 15 he, or something? Yeah, he loves him. Yes. He did a great ref, uh, refutal. No, rebuttal. Rebuttal. But what rebuttal, would you say yeah. for refu- refutation? I think <laughs> he refutes. I don't he know. He refuted it. But he did a great pushback on all the potential uh, downsides that people have. Oh, I can't wait to read it then. Re- refutation. I, that was a word. Refutation. That is a word. Beautiful. I'll use it now. Is that how you say Love Refutation. <laughs> refutation. Nailed it, dude. I'm a genius. Killing it, Spore. I'm, I'm a total dweeb. But anyway, Nick, great talking with you. Even though the temperature is in the 90s today here in Austin, it's oh, wow. still great getting with you by the fire, man. Have a good Absolutely. Week. It's 50 degrees outside. And Spore, it's always wonderful hanging with you by the fire. Thanks for listening to today's Fireside Chat with Paul Spore and Nick Pollock. Follow both Paul and Nick on Twitter at Spore and at PitcherList.